0: Welcome to the Tech Policy Podcast. I'm Evan Schwarzschauber your host. On today's show, WhatsApp gets shut down in Brazil again. The messaging app that's used by over a billion people has been shut down after failure to comply with a court order where the company was requested to hand over information involving a drug trafficking investigation and organized crime. Joining me to discuss this is Javier Payero. Policy Analyst at Access Now, and he is uh, the head of the policy team at the organization's Latin American Activities. Javier, thank you for joining me. Thank you, Evan, for having me. And also joining me is friend of the show, Amy Stepanovich, who is the U.S. Policy Policy Manager at Access Now. Amy, thank you for joining the show again.
1: Thanks for having me back, Evan.
0: So, WhatsApp, as I mentioned, is used by over a billion people, and it's particularly popular in Brazil, where over 100 million Brazilians use it. About 93% of Internet users use the service. Uh, So, Javier, what's going on with WhatsApp, and why are they having so many problems with Brazilian courts? Uh, well,
2: uh, the answer to those questions is is really complicated, but just for a start, we can say that judges want to apply local laws to an international internet service, which is something that is similar to what happens in other countries. And on the other side, uh, WhatsApp in the past uh, and Facebook in the past, they have been a, re- a little bit uh, reluctant to comply with some... Um, uh, orders. So now this case uh, is just escalated the conflict and and put everyone in a really uh, strange position where uh, the service got blocked as a way of compelling the company to provide information on a criminal case.
0: And uh, we've mentioned on the show before that WhatsApp is end-to-end encrypted. And uh, what this means is that only the sender and receiver of a message can see it. So when the court went to WhatsApp and said, hand over the information, what happened? Um. Well, uh, the thing is that um, in this case is where
2: uh, WhatsApp is saying that since the messages are encrypted, they are not able to comply because the judge wants to know the content of the inform- of the conversations that he is trying to investigate. Uh, but this also falls in a history of previous cases with with previous requests for companies that not not are uh, that are not um, answered. Properly sometimes. So in this case, WhatsApp is right. They have no way to comply with this uh, with this request. But the judges are thinking that this is another case of just uh, reluctancy, you know, to comply, and they are trying to force it uh, upon them.
0: So when WhatsApp says to the judge, you know, I we really cannot hand over the information. We just do not have it. What does the judge say to that? Um, he just does not believe it. Uh, he thinks that there should be
2: some kind of way that if you program this to make it work like this, then you can program it to undo this change and to just try to read the, the messages, and that's it. That's that's like a stubborn uh, position that uh, some members of the judicial uh, of the some members of the judiciary have uh, assumed in in Brazil. And luckily, it's not everyone because higher courts have been like. Um, changing, reversing the decisions from these first instance judges. Um, but at, at least there is some
0: judges that think that this is possible and that's worrying. And what does the judge hope to accomplish by ordering that the service be shut down for 72 hours? I mean, in theory, that's not going to actually change the way the app works or it's not going to lead to the information magically appearing out of thin air. So what's the point of the 72-hour sh- the shutdown? Uh, I think it's just a case of muscle flexing.
2: Um, maybe the judge has uh, uh, some kind of understanding that the uh, wealth and the, uh, and the uh, business model of WhatsApp uh, relies on having a lot of people using it. And since they can't use it for a given uh, period of time, then he thinks that maybe WhatsApp loses uh, user base or in case... Actually, this happens a lot because by the time that WhatsApp got blocked back in December and now in May, Telegram, for instance, was uh, uh, used as an alternative massively by a lot of people. And a lot of people just remained using Telegram.
0: Right. And uh, that's an important point you bring up because WhatsApp is not the only end-to-end encrypted messaging service out there. And you mentioned Telegram. That's one of their big competitors and a lot of people around the world use that too. So... Other than uh, the competitors getting a boost from WhatsApp being shut down, it doesn't seem like the court order really does anything. And why do you think WhatsApp is being singled out? Because it is not the only app that couldn't comply with a court order like this. If you requested the same thing of Telegram, they would probably have a similar answer or Signal or any of the many variety of uh of end-to-end encrypted messaging apps out there, do you think WhatsApp is being singled out because it's owned by Facebook, such a large and powerful American company?
2: Um, Partly, yes, because Facebook has offices in Brazil. And the legal authority that is uh, evoked to make this happen is the Marco Civil, which is a landmark uh, digital rights legislation in Brazil. Uh, and the misinterpretation of one of these articles is being used against WhatsApp. And as you said, uh, they are using it against WhatsApp because WhatsApp is part of the same company uh, with Facebook. Uh, they are controlling WhatsApp. And according to Brazilian legislation, you can force a company that controls another one to comply with law, as if they were uh, partners. You know. So that's why, for instance, in the in the frame of this very same case, they imprisoned. A Facebook uh, vice president of sales, for instance, just, just to try to force this this uh, the company to comply. Given even if the Facebook says that WhatsApp is a different company, they are controlled by Facebook, and the Brazilian law treats the controlling and the controlled uh, uh, companies as partners and the same.
0: And this judge is hardly the only person who has kind of made this argument that companies just need to figure this out. Uh, we saw FBI Director James Comey last summer. He was making similar arguments, basically saying that, you know, when the companies claim they can't comply, that's just not good enough, you know gosh darn it, You know Silicon Valley, we put a man on the moon, why can't we create an, an encrypted messaging app with a backdoor that only the government can use? I mean, this rationale, you see it all the time from law enforcement. And uh, Amy, do you think that the FBI director's rhetoric and other U.S. politicians like Senator Feinstein and Senator Richard Burr, who have proposed legislation mandating that companies comply with court orders regardless of the technical feasibility, do you think that the rhetoric that happens in the U.S. has an influence on debates and what judges do in Brazil?
1: I actually think it's a give and take. I think some of what is happening in Brazil has had an influence in the U.S. and obviously some of the things in the U.S. are... Changing the debate in Brazil and so the problem is is that as we see bad legislation or bad legislative proposals um, or even activities pop up in one country, other governments other countries tend to look at that and say, "Oh we can do that too um, so the fact that the us the fact that really nobody has taken a position as a global leader on encryption means that people are filling in the holes by doing really. Um, damaging things. They don't understand, they clearly don't understand the technology like Javier um, mentioned earlier. Um, They're not understanding how it's being used, what it does, what the capabilities are. And they are using that ignorance um, as a shield to protect them against criticism that what they're doing is going to undermine the global internet.
0: Yeah. And we saw with the legislation proposed by Senators Burr and Feinstein, they never really specified what the damages or penalties would be in a similar case. So, in Brazil, we saw that basically the penalty for WhatsApp not complying is in, in every case where they've been shut down, a higher court just ends up reversing the order and they get to come back online and really the only punishment is a benefit to their competitors that maybe they lose some users because in the 72 hour period where they're offline, people turn to other apps like Telegram. But in the United States, this legislation that would mandate every company comply with court orders, regardless of the technology, we don't even know what the penalty would be. It could be something like forcing WhatsApp to shut down in the United States, or it could be something else. And it's kind of interesting that that hasn't been uh, it hasn't really been cleared up in Brazil. It hasn't been cleared up here. Now, just so listeners uh, can understand why so many people are using WhatsApp, in the U.S., you know, texting, most people have unlimited plans, SMS texting, um, people who have iPhones and communicate with other iPhones might not even realize that they're using iMessage and not traditional texting. But Javier, is it that texting is more expensive in Brazil? Why do so many Brazilians rely on these messaging apps that carry messages over the data signal, the mobile broadband and not traditional SMS texting?
2: Well, in that case, um, there are two problems there. And the first one is that, yes, texting is uh, way more expensive here. And uh, f- flat rates uh, are really strange in Latin America. We don't have like a, uh, a fixed. Uh, Amount of money that you can pay, and then you have free uh, internet or, or or the internet in a uh, in the unlimited way. We only have like uh, data allocations which are quite limited, and also uh, minutes, uh, uh, given amount of minutes to talk and a given amount of SMS to, see, to send. The thing about WhatsApp is that there's another problem for digital rights that is zero rating and WhatsApp is zero rated in Brazil so if you use WhatsApp uh whatever you do with data that f- travels through WhatsApp does not count against your data cap so uh and also Facebook and Twitter are zero rated nothing else so uh that's why people really rely upon WhatsApp because it's the, the cheaper uh option that they have
0: right and we've talked about zero rating on the show before and um, you know Tech freedom has a particular view on it that it's good and that it helps people um, access the internet when otherwise they wouldn't be able to. And having a zero rating service like WhatsApp can mitigate the high cost of SMS. But on the flip side, if zero rating causes people to rely on one service and then by basically court fiat that service can be shut down and then everyone is forced into options that they have to pay for that's unfortunate so i guess that's the 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 potential downside of zero rating is that when you really come to rely on something and you've have this arrangement between the telecom and the the edge provider and this is something that they've decided is good for consumers and then they just shut it down everyone is stuck now paying for services that they didn't think they would have to pay for right yeah, yeah, exactly,
2: and that's one of the reasons why. Well, we have a different take on zero rating, uh, and we think that this is one of the of the dangers that comes from privileging some actor in the internet, because even if you don't intend to, you are like um, discriminating other actors. For instance, Telegram just uh, it got millions and millions of new users just as a as a secondary um, objective, a secondary uh, consequence of the blocking. But otherwise, WhatsApp is like a dominant player because it's the chosen one by the companies to, to provide the free service. Right
0: Now, you mentioned earlier that the judge cites a specific legal authority in shutting down WhatsApp. Um, you referred to that as a misinterpretation of the law. Can you explain why you think the judge is on shaky legal ground here?
2: Yeah, um, the Marco Civil uh, of the internet in, in Brazil has an article, Article 12, that um, establishes penalties for those companies that don't abide by data protection legislation in Brazil. Um, so it's only for these cases, uh, for for uh, for the cases in which they don't abide by data protection uh, guidelines, that after a series of uh, lower sanctions, you can end up by blocking a service temporarily. Um, as I just told you, this this um, this uh, rule has several uh, steps that you have to follow, and it's very specific for specific things. But in this case, the judge just used it as a way of flexing a muscle. You know, he went directly to this, even even if he if he had already imposed fines on WhatsApp because of this same. Um, of the same case. Uh, he just went from the fines directly towards the blocking and he used this for a different case other than data protection. This is just a, a drug-related investigation and he just wanted to force the company to comply with an order.
0: And we've seen in the United States and we did a podcast on this that really the the driving force of the debate over encryption is not terrorism. In contrast, uh, most people think it's about terrorism because we had this big FBI blow up with Apple. That was one particular case. But in the vast majority of cases, when law enforcement is running up against tech companies and having these bitter disagreements over how much companies have to comply and whether or not to turn over information, it's usually about drugs. Uh, Do you see that as a similar situation in Brazil, where most of this debate about encryption and uh, device security features, it's really driven by the drug war and not so much fears over terrorism?
2: Um, I think that that has to do a lot with uh, what is perceived as the greater uh, threat in each one of the countries. In the case of Brazil, we, uh, Brazil doesn't have a like, history of terrorism, uh, at, at least in recent years, and that is not really a problem for, for them, right? And several places in Latin America is the same. But we, re- we really do have some uh, big problems with drugs. Uh, and, of course, that's one of the things that that, that is brought to the debate to, to justify this. For instance, there's another legislative discussion going on right now about having new cybercrime legislation that would establish, for instance, uh, um, bigger and greater data retention mandates in Brazil, they already have some, but they want to make them worse and some of the uh, of the reasons that the lawmakers give is uh, the, the, like the, what we call usually the usual suspects, which are uh, terrorism, child pornography, and they try to to put copyright infringement in the same level of of threat you know. So so I, I think it has to do, to do a lot with the local context, but also this sounds a little bit like those four uh, uh, horsemen of the apocalypse that uh, I, I think Julian Assange is the one who, who described that in that way. It's like these typical great threats of the internet that are going to justify any kind of, of um, violations of civil and human rights.
0: And you brought up uh, data retention mandates, which uh, begs the question, How have the internet access providers in Brazil reacted to this? Because when the judge orders that WhatsApp be shut down for 72 hours, I'm guessing that involves the broadband provider blocking the service. And that's not something, you know, in theory that they want to do if they want to keep their customers happy. But have the telecoms weighed in in this debate? Uh, You know, have they made their preferences known or or talked about why they don't want to be shutting down WhatsApp? You know, what's their role been?
2: Um, well, the internet service providers uh, back in December they were the ones who who issued a um, a call to the higher judge to revoke this measure. This measure, right? They were the ones who complained and who who. Uh, Given action in court to try to get this reversed, so they they were behaving very well. The only ones among, because among the the internet service providers you have the ones that are only internet service providers, and then you have the, the bigger telcos, because we have a lot of incumbents in in Latin America. So sometimes these these guys, the ones who are internet service providers, they responded well and they complained about this measure, but other ones like Telefonica, for instance. Uh, they responded differently, they thought that it was not their place to just go and fight the government over a blocking uh, uh, of a service, you know. And this, I think this has a little bit to do with the interest that each company has, because WhatsApp is also challenging the, the voice, uh, the, the telephone market over there, the mobile telephone market, because if you have zero rating over WhatsApp, people won't call using their phone plan. They just use voice, voice over IP and they use WhatsApp, you know. So that's why I think that some actors are not that interested in defending uh, the usage of certain services.
0: Right there's certainly a competitive uh, advantage to the telecoms if services like these come under fire because if end-to-end encrypted messaging apps are you know start to get more shit from there from the Brazilian courts then people might have to rely on more traditional means of communicating like SMS and you know traditional cell service so clearly the fact that the courts have not been able to figure out this problem kind of begs the question, where is the Brazilian legislature on this? I know there's a big, you know, debacle going on with the presidency right now, but are there calls for uh, the Congress to step in? Are there calls for legislation to clear this up? I mean, clearly having the courts handle this issue hasn't seemed to bring resolution. So is there any momentum for encryption legislation? What do you see going on?
2: Um, right now, some lawmakers in the Brazilian Congress have formed a free internet caucus or something like that uh, because there's people who, is, who are really concerned about this, this this situation, you know, where you have, like, uh, blocking of services, like a thing that is common, you know, and that cannot be accepted. Um, but there is also a big movement that is trying to curtail um, digital rights um, because um, right now the shift in the government and in the political life of Brazil is going back towards the right wing and some of those right wing lawmakers are the ones who proposed to make for instance these blockings In because this blocking as I told you comes from a misinterpretation of the law but some lawmakers presented bills uh, recently that are trying to make this interpretation actually a rule so that just can directly ask for ISPs to block services, you know. We were fighting in the Brazilian Congress to get those bills killed. Some of them are, have improved, but some others are still going through their legislative process. And as you see, there are two big powers they are fighting, and it happens at the legislative level as well. So we have the pro-blocking uh, guys and, uh, and the pro-fundamental um, rights guys. So the, it, 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 it's quite divided right now.
0: Well, this has been a fascinating discussion. I'm especially grateful that Javier brought up the issue of zero rating because that is uh, not an angle we often hear debated in the U.S. debate over zero rating. It's often you know about whether it's discriminatory or whether other services suffer. But really, we don't often think about whether zero rated services could just be arbitrarily shut down by a court because that hasn't happened yet in the United States. But uh, that's it for today's show. One of my guests has been Javier Pallero, the policy analyst for Latin America at Access Now, a global civil rights and digital liberties organization. Javier, thank you so much for joining. Thank you, Evan, for having me. And my other guest has been Amy Stepanovich, friend of the show and U.S. policy manager at Access Now. Amy, thanks for joining the show again. Uh, let us know what you think of today's episode on our Twitter page at Tech Freedom or on Facebook.com slash Tech Freedom. Uh, send us an email at media at uh, Let us know what topics you want to hear, guests you want to hear on the show. Uh, we always appreciate your feedback. Find this podcast in the iTunes store or on your favorite podcast app. Please leave us a review because it will help others find the show. Thanks for listening.
1: The Tech Policy Podcast is produced and distributed by Tech Freedom. A nonpartisan, nonprofit think tank in Washington, D.C. To learn more about our work, make a tax deductible donation, or find other episodes,
2: find us online at techfreedom.org.